Hey y'all, I'm so excited that you're joining me today. Another day where we get to go on this journey together to encounter hope. Now, it's been something pretty heavy on my heart to talk about the stretching. And the thing that has been stretching me a lot lately is identity and identifying the issues that I have that we probably a lot of us have regarding our identity regarding the identity that God has given to us himself and so because this is something that is so very stretching it's gonna be a little bit uncomfortable for me to share but this is an exercise in freedom because life is freedom practice and we're just gonna go with it so let's get into it right now identity issues for me at a very young age a lot of them crept in like as long as i can remember i have struggled with my self-esteem and the courage that it takes to be who you are, who you think you are, um, and even more who God says you are. And when I was about two, I was adopted. I wasn't adopted by this well-to-do family who thought it would be a wonderful blessing to take in a child in need um, my parents did not um, pass away or anything like that. Any of the, you know, n usual stories that you would hear. I happened to be adopted by family. I was adopted by some by people who share my blood, and that that came with its own whirlwind of questions and issues, right? Because. What happens when you're adopted and your mother lives down the street? She's not a drug addict. She's not a drug addict. <laughs> what happens when your mother lives down the street and she's not a drug addict and she's not in and out of jail and she's not incapable of being physically there to care for you? What happens when your father lives up the street from you your entire life and you have one half-baked memory of possibly meeting him and yelling at him before you hit puberty. What happens when everyone around you has context to what your blood says about you except for you? For me, <laughs> a whole slew of things, and they start and end with, well, they begin at self-esteem, which is a very interesting word, and if any of you have encountered me, you know that I'm very big on words, I'm very big on what they mean, I'm very big on the tones that they have and the intentions that they hold when spoken, and I was digging into the idea and definition of self-esteem one day, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. 
because when you get to the crux of it, if you think hard enough with the true context of who we are living for and why we live, you think, who am I to esteem myself? Especially before I'm old enough to spell my name. Who am I to esteem myself? Where did that authority come from, right? Who gives me the authority to establish an estimation of my own worth and worthiness? I bet a lot of people have never thought about it like that. But this is what I, this is what I think about when I sit in rooms and I talk to God or I'm in silence. Uh, the Holy Spirit just kind of pops things and, and, and I roll them around and I, and I go back and forth. And when I came across that term, these are some of the things I thought. And I was like, okay, so how does God esteem me? And it makes so much more sense that he has the authority and the power to do so. So when I look at my own self-esteem compared to how God esteems, identifies, and defines me, they are different. Why are they different? Before I knew God, my self-esteem sounded a little something like a head low, a slouched body, staunched with a lost stride and an unsteady striving for someone to believe that I'm worthy of something so that I could too. All I could do to be love fell on deaf ears. Did you know that hearts can grow calluses like guitar playing hands do? That puzzle pieces are attractive metaphors until they come into contact with war-beaten war hearts in war-torn countries of orphans sitting in dark rooms crying out in silence. In Matthew, it says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Well, what happens when the violent get really good at hide-and-seek? This is what I felt in my skin when I thought about my self-esteem. Where would the thing that I would esteem of myself stand apart from God? Where would it stand if I was sitting on God's throne in my own human capacity, in my own understanding? See, when I thought about that and I looked at it, I thought about how sin masquerades as our personal definition. And when it's addressed, a lot of times our defenses will say, you're attacking me, instead of you are addressing my active action to choose to perform this thing. When I esteem myself, I want really badly to fit in. <laughs> and one of my most precious and amazing sisters said to me once, she said, why do you fight so hard to fit into places that you don't even belong? 
And of course, my first reaction was, how dare you? I'm thoroughly offended by that. <laughs> and and then and then when when Holy Spirit grabbed me by my collar and my dad, my daddy God corrected me, I sat with it for a moment and thought, yeah. <laughs> Because for so many years, I, I had this thing about being a puzzle piece. And, and, and puzzle pieces are wonderful. Puzzles are a great way to expand your mental energy. But something really cool about a puzzle piece is, is that uh, it can only fit where it fits. And you can try to jam a puzzle piece into somewhere that it does not fit. But eventually, it either becomes really misshapen for being in that wrong spot or it pops out because it doesn't belong there. And if I'm walking around with my own self-esteem and I'm the piece of the puzzle that doesn't fit where I'm standing, it's really easy to demand that someone else see my identity differently. It's really easy to get offended about someone attacking me because I'm giving them the power to define me. I'm giving them the power to set me apart and make me an other that God never called me to be. Now God in his holiness and his otherliness has called me to be other. He has also called me to be his, and he has called me by an identity that only he can define. And when I follow him, he will lead me to where I fit and teach me how to behave when I am somewhere that seemingly does not shape around me the way that I want it to. And then we get into the other part. Not where I'm not just where I am esteeming myself, but where the definitions come in, right? Because when I identify myself and define myself, there is this very common phrase that we use. We say, I'm. And now I want to take it back. I want to take it back to the Old Testament. I want to take it back to the beginning because when we look at I'm and we take it apart, when we spread it out, we get I am. And in the Old Testament, there's someone very special who identified themselves as I am, right? When God was talking to Moses and Moses was fearful of what God had called him to do, he said, okay, God, what do I tell them when they ask me who you are? And God said, I am. And Moses said, I am. God said, yes, I am am. If God is I am, how much power belongs to that statement? How much power belongs to that admission? And now the common phrase that we use today is I'm, which when we look at it is a contraction. Uh, for all of my grammar nerds out there, a contraction. A contraction is 
the act of making something smaller. Now in grammar, it literally means the same thing, right? We compound two words. We take out a second syllable and we re-identify something by taking the meat out of it. We take the vowel out of it. We take the body out of it. And so, my God, my Father is I am. And I am brought up in a culture where I don't know him yet. And so as I speak, I take power from his definition. I take power from his name. I make him smaller. And I sit on his throne by declaring what I am and what I believe about me. And I esteem myself somewhere, right? So I am, what's a big I am that I contracted by sitting on a throne and calling myself it instead of what God called me? A big I am in my life was my sexuality, was my identity as a person, right? I am born a beautiful woman. I am born a daughter of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together by the hands of God before I was even settled in my mother's womb, that everywhere I would walk, he would be, and he would be ready to define me. Before God brought himself into the realm of my awareness, before he brought himself before me that I would seek him, I walked around and my I'm was, I'm a lesbian, I'm gay, I'm masculine, I'm a they, I'm other, <laughs> right? Because you can't check a box that has that many colors and say it all belongs in one. And so there I stood, carving away the beauty that God gave to me for the sake of something that felt good for a moment, something that made me feel powerful, something that gave me authority, something that looked a lot like stealing wipe me clean of the debris left in the skin of my gate. Silhouette strong, broad, masculine, shallow like a swallow deep from dry throats and a hope that never landed safe. How dare we choose death with so much left to say? I taught myself to walk that way leaving grace and, and clutching grit cause midnight marauders have more cause for defiling a father's daughter than a lost soul in nice sneakers. So I took pride in sweet nothings and hips that couldn't quit if they wanted to. Slick tongue, quick wit, and hands softer than the man that tried to talk to you last night. Hard enough to make you forget the parts that were always missing. So much destruction left in the wake of that thing that makes you feel better. Wanna feel better, so we better let it go up in a blaze of smoke, dope, and munchies to distract me from a spirit hungry to be filled with truth and something that lasts beyond the morning after. 
We live in a world that affirms us looking nothing like the God who called us, who created us, who molded us by our hands, who breathed the air into our chests. We walk in a culture that says it's okay to steal God's dreams for us, to kill the person that God put breath into and to destroy the image that we were always meant to stand in with him. Before sin entered the garden, we got to walk with God in the cool of the day. And now everything that is light is offensive and pushy and judgmental. Because not only have we sat on the throne of God and taken the meat out of I am, but we have also become the judge, jury, and executioner. We have decided that we would like to be in charge of everything. Our hands were never big enough to hold the tensions that our brains couldn't wrap themselves around. God is powerful. And God's authority stands above everything. So, <laughs> how do we walk in a place where we've identified these kinds of identity issues. We ask him. We ask him for wisdom. We ask him for clarity. We ask him for healing. We ask him for deliverance. Something that really hit me this week is I saw a post and it talked about narcissism and it's funny because yeah these days that's definitely a buzzword everyone's a narcissist and all these things but I'm gonna get back to my heart of seeing the power in words in their intent in what they mean and what they project and how they protect us And so this post talked about the three different kinds of narcissism. And one really stood out to me because it's something that a lot of people don't, don't consider. Just like we don't consider our, our desire to please people to be a thing of pride. Like how we think being nice isn't a sin. It's interesting when we choose to see the world through our eyes instead of through the eyes of a just God. If I'm so worried about being nice to you that my kindness refuses to tell you the truth, that's a sin. And we walk through relationships believing that it's okay because we don't want to hurt feelings. 
But if you're listening to this and you know me, I would much rather you hurt my feelings and be kind to me by telling me the truth because kindness isn't always nice. Sometimes it's aggressive and that's okay because God can clean up the mess of our unpolished deliverance, delivery, right? You can tell me something with my best interest at heart and with my heart to seek God, he will give me grace to receive it. It might not be immediate, it might not be in front of you, but your kindness is the truth. And your niceness can sometimes be hurting both me and you. And I say this as a double-edged sword, I'm just saying, because I'm str- I struggle through being nice and I struggle also through being right, and both of these things are prideful. And I'm asking God to, to, to sit in the tension with me that moves me to be kind. But I digress back to this word, narcissist. <laughs> so this post talked about how someone can be a vulnerable narcissist and this is how my spirit received that term how much do you love me are you willing to fall on your sword for my feelings why won't you die for me I've given you everything, my blood and sweat. I'd never dare shed a tear, though. You, you're too close. (laughs) Back up, hold on. Why won't you open up to me? I've given you everything. Where's my pedestal? (laughs) Where's my pedestal? Pat on the back, gift basket. Where is it? I've shared the shadows. I've shared the shadows before. I've shared the shadows before my dark secrets. Why? 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 Why won't you die for me? How much do you love me? Are you willing to fall on your sword for my feelings? Why won't you die for me? I've given you everything, my blood, my sweat. I would never dare shed a tear, though. Hold on, you're getting too close. Tell me everything about you. I've told you something. I've, I've, I've walked in the tension of the darkness. I've gotten on the tightrope. I've, I've told you almost, 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 almost. I've told you almost everything that you need to know about me. Why won't you die for me? Why won't you hurt yourself for my feelings? I've given you everything. Now, there's this place where there's a soft and almost sweet pushing that's so dangerous that says, I'm entitled to everything about you because I know how to share things that other people won't. There's this thin line that I walked that that taught me how to bulldoze my relationships while standing still. And it was that 
because God has given me the path that he has and I have the past that I have and the gift that he's moved in me, I can share with you something that is utterly jarring and on the surface it looks like I've given you everything and so my expectation is well I did that how will you dance in the circus for me what will you give me back and it's this thing that teaches you how to be an aggressor and a victim all at the same time I never knew I never knew before how much that could hurt people. And I don't think before this season I cared much. It's something that God was just like, okay, so are we going to deal with it or not? And I was like, uh, well... I'm going to take away every other choice that says that I'm not going to do what you say because it's time. It's time for us to take inventory of the way that our God, that my God, that our Father, that our amazing and loving Father guides us into who he says we are. We are to be God esteemed because as God molded, made, breathed, and defined us we are to be and so I share these things with you because there's truth here <laughs> there is stretching here there is absolutely discomfort here and there is freedom here I'm on this journey to encounter the hope of a good God and a good Father because there is freedom on the other side. There is love, there is identity, there is truth, and there is deliverance. Now, my process might not look like most others, and like I said, I don't know much. And that's part of why I'm here. So this was me talking through some things and stretching to some other things. And I just want to leave you with a challenge. I want to leave you with a question. What are some areas in your life where you've assigned your identity to? that God never placed authority in. You are loved, you are seen, and you are known. I look forward to next time.